Stupid cats. Yeah, if you show your cat, you'll probably get more likes. Well, no, he's an ugly cat. <laughs> <laughs> if you show your likes. cat, you'll probably get more likes. Well, no, he's an ugly cat. <laughs> there we go. All right, we are live. Welcome, everyone, to SEO This Week, episode 107. If you don't know me, I am a handsome fellow. My name is Clint Butler. I run Digital Ear, and I'm the head of SEO for Over the Top SEO. I am accompanied by Ted Kabitis. He is the creator of Quora. Uh, he, SEOtoolab.com, if you don't know what that is. It's a great software we use for correlations, on-page and off-page uh, as well as helping our optimization stuff go. So I'd like to welcome Ted. Again, the invitation is out. If you guys want to come in live and interact with me anytime, just hit me up um, probably before the show uh, would be best. Find me on Skype, clint.a.butler on Skype, and ask me for a link, and I'll have you you can come on live, and we can chat it up. makes for a better show anyway. How you doing this week, Ted? Uh, doing pretty good. Doing lots of new uh, leaderboards. Uh, got a lot of great feedback on our uh, channel trailer. So <laughs> people uh, definitely like it. It's not performing great as a, uh, as a paid trailer, so we're probably going to do a take two. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I think it was a good one, but you kind of have to know some of the context behind it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it spoke well to our audience, but yeah. outside of our little corner of the industry, I think the references were lost. Yeah, well, we're on the right path. You, you don't know if it doesn't work unless you try it out. So yep. I think it was good. With that, so just to tell you guys what's going on today, I have six articles uh, two are crazy short. One, you know, will help us out a little bit with sales uh, and then some link stuff and some SEO strategy topic cluster stuff, which is basically silos. Uh, so we'll go over those and then I'm going to go into some link building tools more uh, directly into how to do the audit. Like, uh oh, you screwed up. Now, how, what, what tools you can use to figure uh figure that out, which to get rid of and which to keep and also kind of use those exact tools as well for competition analysis. This, the purpose of doing it that way is because tomorrow on SEO Fight Club, we're going to talk about link building. Uh, we're going to do it from a, you know, a thousand meter view though. Uh, I'm not going to teach you the way that I build links. Um, I will, you know, give you some ideas and some methods that I use, but I won't say the specifics of how to do it because they work in my niches and they may not work in yours. And I can guarantee you some of the stuff that works in some of my niches will get your local sites penalized. So uh, with that, we're just going to, you know, it's going to be broad and then we'll talk to Ted and Kyle about some of their testing uh, and then future tests that we have planned to see, you know, what can we use for link automation primarily uh, to help you boost your rankings uh, in a safe way. And, uh, and I'll be more than willing to talk about this, but uh, the rest of that will be, a, you know, the thousand meter view uh, and things that you can test out for yourself and try. Um, but if you don't know how to do a link recovery, you don't want to start testing with link, link building uh, unless you have a test site. And a lot of people just don't have those. So, um, or if they do, it's probably like they're a small affiliate site and stuff like that. So you want to be able to recover that stuff at the same time. So <sighs> deep breath. <laughs> With that, let me share my screen. Da -da -da. There we go. All right. Okay, uh, the first post is by Alfred Lua. I haven't met him, uh, but his writing style is actually pretty good. And it's, he's taking the concept of topic clusters. I'm going to do this to you just to make this a little bit easier to see. Uh, topic clusters, which to me is silos, and he's going over how to create them. Uh, he also added a little bit of testing here. Minimize that because it's bar. Um, you know, this is his plan, his plan of attack and how, you know, he, he increased his rankings using topic clusters. You can see here the site he's got is pretty big, so it's not very dramatic here. But when you're looking at these, that's, you know, that's almost 10, 15,000 more visitors uh, a week. So that's not too bad. 
basically, it goes over the top of cluster. Just kind of notice the typical layout right there. This is the typical um, topic, clicker, topic cluster structure. Uh, it's just kind of nasty. And then you get into this, which is kind of what I follow uh, as well. Uh, and then, you know, how to plan out the, the clusters, et cetera. You can read this, obviously, all on your own. I'm not going to read the articles for you. But one caveat I want to put in here is when we're using these topic clusters, we want to think a little bit more about how we're going to do our interlinking. And I've taught this before. You notice how none of these topic posts link to each other? I think he's losing out on a lot of his power by doing it that way. Again, the site is, and also I don't link back to a supporting article, which is essentially what these clusters are all, are all, are all about um, from my main ranking page. If this is my main ranking page, that's where I want all my juice to go. So what I would recommend you do instead is link this, and I'll just say this one for example, should link to all these other four and to this. Again, so you pick this one, this one will link to all four of these and to this. The benefit is when you start doing your link building stuff, you can actually send links to all of these and not to your money page. And if let's say, for example, this one gets hit by a penalty, panda, panda, whatever you want, you can kill it and uh, it won't affect your money page as much because the rest of these are going to power it up. And then you can just kind of rebuild that right, under a new topic or whatever. Um, and they're also easier to add to. Test this out. This is the old way that I used to do it. I found that it, you know, it worked. Um, but if you interlink these better and remove that link back to the supporting article, I think you're going to find the better use of these topic clusters, especially in local. As you get into the bigger stuff, uh, like uh, e-commerce, and you're talking about, you know, one, two, three thousand products, and you get another issue there. And, uh, you know, we could talk over that more. Ted would actually be able to speak more to that because I know where he's used to work. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting about this topic cluster notion to me is uh, Gary's recent AMA where he suggests that Google is taking websites and crawling them and then somehow going, oh, I should take this website and break it up into many websites within the Google index. Um, and that kind of struck me as a BS claim from that AMA, but if it's true, then siloing and this type of behavior becomes vastly more important. I think to his comment, the way I took that is, let's say you're talking, I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about SEO and then social media marketing and then PPC and then web design. Inherently in themselves, they're all marketing or digital marketing or online marketing, how far you want to break that down. Um, but they would, could potentially be their own topics and their own sites. So I think what he's saying is maybe how Google indexes those and, and looks at the authority of that site and says what the site is about. It may be almost better to have those separate little mini sites. Yeah, and, and you know, that makes sense. Like we see things uh, ranking differently for very large-scale websites like AARP is that retirement organization, but if you – search for games you'll see you know the aarp games page ranking all by itself uh and so yeah there there is some evidence that this might be happening so it's it's interesting the question is where does it stop like how fine grain will it go into segmenting you know clusters on the google side yeah also, you have to figure out for your market and your keyword, at which point is there, I've just built too many. Um, I, I'm kind of, I've kind of wasted my time, as it were. So for local, you know, it just depends on the keyword. I've built just four pages and it was fine. Others, I've built 10. And then when you build that 11th and 12th, it doesn't do anything anymore. So that's another question, too, is what, how. All right, I'm going to leave that up because I saw a question in here or a statement I wanted to address later. Next one is uh, Built Visible. This is 
pretty good how to get fraggles using search links fraggles if you don't know and this stupid little word is is jump link so if you're you know you're building you have your post here and then you have these subheadings you can actually in, in, in your schema you can create site links out of those using the hashtag so that you know that hashtag fragment um and they they called it fraggles because you know we're seos and we can't name anything the same we gotta change it up uh, but if you look in here, let's see, he's got an example. Here it is, the page headings, and then he's setting up uh, the links to it. So you can set up the schema to get those site links going on, right? Uh, what I liked about this is, one, it tells you how to do that in case you've never done it before. Um, and just, It is really cool to play with. And then two is how you can leverage these to rank for multiple terms. Uh, there is a teacher right now jimmy kelly he's teaching a way to um, leverage this for seo so i have to be very careful about what i say because i don't want to give away his paid content but i will tell you that if you're using kyle ruth method and the method that i taught at seo rockstars of using your uh, h tags h2 and h3 and yeah h2 and h3 uh, using related terms from the search and using a Google Trends. If you use those two tools and you create site links uh, on your page, it's going to help you rank multiple terms. Uh, and you'll get the site link thing uh, up there as well, assuming Google wants to show it. And really, I, from my opinion, uh, I've seen those show more based on the um, domain authority, as it were, for lack of a better term. Uh, the higher it is, the more likely you're going to see that. And that, it, to me, that indicates trust, and I can rank for more things. But um, I think it's really good to know how to do this so you can get those to pop and then know what to actually create uh, so you can rank for multiple terms. Uh, especially if you, you know, you're like me and you don't want to build a, a crap ton of pages uh, unnecessarily, uh, you use that and, and it works out pretty well. Ted, do you, in the e-com world, do you guys leverage a lot of these? Uh, well, historically, uh, you haven't had any mechanism of control. It's like Google would pick links and pages on your website, and those would become site links. The only method of control you had was to say you hated Google's picks, and you could ban them from Google Search Console. So if this is a method for getting those, like having some say uh, or, you know, some extra leverage and getting them to happen, uh, this is huge. This is a big deal. And like you said, there's, you know, one route where, you know, you can rank for more terms by using those related searches, which is a very powerful trick. Most people have to pay to get that kind of tip from a conference. So that's a very big SEO nugget. Um, but the other thing you could consider if this like lets you pick what you get into those site links is using them for uh, CRO and click-through rate. Cause it's a, it's a big call out. I mean, just look at it. If you can sculpt what's in those, those buttons, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, when you're going doing Google AdWords, you have those site links option as well, and you can mess around with those and, and play with that to do the CTR stuff, which is a good good thought. I've tested this on the live versions of sites, uh, by the way, and you can pick uh, a little better now if your schema is right and you you know you use use the implementation that's on here. But if your schema is right, table of contents and all that stuff is in place, you can actually get those to pop. Uh, as you want them, not as how it used to be, like as Google wanted them. So I think it's pretty cool. Again, I think most people know about site links and just not so much about how to leverage those. So that's where I wanted to take that just because, you know, and he wrote it. It's very good. It reads really well compared to most articles we see these days. Next is uh, this is something Ted might like. And I am learning more about automation stuff. Uh, and programming, Ted's, you know, he beat me in the submission. Now I'm learning Java because, you know, he writes stuff and that it took me like two weeks to do. He did it in like an hour and it pissed me off. So now I'm learning Java. 
Um, but this is how to use some batch scripting uh, to get uh, Screaming Fob to run all by itself. So you can give it a, let's say you have a whole bunch of sites you want to run and you want to continually do that over and over again. Uh, you can use some batch scripting. Unfortunately, it's not written for, for Mac. I use a Windows. Um, so, but if you're a Windows guy and you're using a lot of Screaming Frog, this would be a good one for you. I won't go into the details of how you set it up because most of the bit I don't really understand. I probably end up just copy pasting a lot of it. Um, but there is a video that will walk you through step by step how to do it. Again, it's mainly for Windows users. Um, but if you're a Mac guy and you can, you know, navigate the differences between the two, I think you'll find this really useful. Screaming Frog, I like using it. Um, even with it turned up, I have found that it's a pain in the ass on larger sites. And I think most computer-based crawlers are because it crawls and then stores in the memory. Um, and then eventually your computer just gives up. I switched Screaming Frog over to go to the SSD drive, which is supposed to help it work better. Um, but, it, you know, again, I can get it going. I'll get like a third of the way through and then the software will crash. Um, so... This is probably, you know, this would be helpful, especially if you're doing a lot of little sites. I think uh, you'll get the most value out of this. So check it out. Really cool. Just something for your, uh, you automation guys. You're just tired of doing stuff over and over again. Next search engine journal. These last, these next two are really John Mueller talking. And I think... This one needs to be said. Most of my viewers kind of get it. The Google, the their testing tools are really, it's a vanity thing. Um, and if you compare, my favorite one to beat up is those PageBeat Insights. You know, you can get 100 and 100 and your site will load in 5.5 seconds. Everyone knows that 5.5 seconds sucks. Uh, and you want to be into three, but Google's tool give you 100 100. Uh, but I get other sites loading in like 900 milliseconds and the tools say 11 and 31 or something. And the customers on the PageBeat site uh, service freak out. Yeah, this this is a uh, classic problem with uh, SEO tools and performance tools for web in general. Whenever some tool gives you a score or a grade, uh, the grade actually doesn't mean anything with rankings. Because what you'll find is that it's typically, you know, how your grades relate to the competition for your keyword. And you might have a C grade, but if all your competitors have Ds, then you're winning. The grade doesn't necessarily reflect how well you rank. And if you're in a really tough keyword, you might have A's, but so do all your competitors. So you know, you might not have enough of an A to be competitive. Yeah. I, to me, I think that these, the score, the A, B, C, it kind of plays off of our conditioning uh, as students uh, that, the, you know, the F is bad and the A is good and you should always get A's regardless of what's going on. Yeah. The, the reason that those exist, the reason why SEOs might want to use those is when you have clients who think that their stuff is perfect, you can use those grades to say, no, there's always room for improvement. But the downside of doing that is, let's take the PageBeat Insights again. Like I can make a site way faster, but I'll reduce the grade that's given. So now that client thinks that I just screwed up their site. So yeah. you have to really balance and, and kind of explain to them where that's, you know, why am I using this grade? This is a visualization for you. It's, you know, it's, and then what is really important, in my opinion, what is really important to fix to increase the, the quality of your website? And then maybe we'll get the grade at the same time. But I think you're right. I think a lot of people uh, will chase grades. SEOs will chase grades because they got their clients hooked on that. Uh, and they're trading off the actual value of what they're doing versus, uh, to, in order to get a better grade. Uh, and at the end of the day, most times, not all, all the time, but most times it seems to me that it, it would, it's actually hurting your performance um, and what you're, the results you're able to get, especially if you're stuck on grades. But th that's just kind of the way it is. And I think this kind of, this boosted out is basically he was in a hangout. Uh, and then it talked about how someone got 100 on the tool, but 
it didn't improve anything. <laughs> they didn't get any rankings increases, um, which is actually in and of itself an interesting statement on the value of these kind of tools. You know, do we really need them? Well, the way that I look at them is that if if you can't figure out what's going wrong with your page, these tools can offer up ideas. They don't offer up solutions. They offer up ideas, things to consider. Yeah, that's a good that's a good opportunity. Yeah, but that's that's what they're limited to. If you're stuck, I kind of think of them as basics. Like, I want to go through, and I, I just need some quick things. I don't want to do a full run on Sightbulb, for example, or whatever. I just want this stupid page. Then maybe one of these tools would be helpful, just to kind of give you a starting point. But again, you have to know where your ending point is too. So, um, for that to be valuable, that's that's what I use these things. For. Yeah, because you know, in e-commerce, what I'll what I'll often find is you know, oh, uh, the page speed test is failing for the product page, and our performance is terrible on these pages, and. You know, when I go in and, and look at the nuts and bolts, it's like, oh, okay, they have a product carousel with 35 recommended products at the bottom of the page, and each of those thumbnails is a four megabyte uh, uncompressed image being scaled down. And so obviously what's happening there is they've just lost all of their mobile traffic on their product pages. So, you know, it, it's a clue, you know, it, it's not that, you, you know, you need to reduce necessarily your time to first bite, but it's a place to, to look for hints and clues. Yeah. All right. And the next one, this is some people just live and die off of this, how to use the disavow tool two more times. Basically, what he's going through is saying, you know, these are the main reasons why you would want to use it. Uh, and some clarity, et cetera, when you probably shouldn't. Uh, it's an interesting set of conversation. At the end of the day, he's like, you should probably not use it for everything. Like a lot of people go, oh, I dropped rankings. As a matter of fact, we had a client. Um, he was, we were building links, and he was going behind us, unbeknownst to us, and, and adding links to the disavow tool. So as we were, it was balancing out to where we were getting no results because he was killing, <laughs> killing, you know, essentially killing good links uh, with the disavow tool. And we were building more good links. So we were balancing out and not getting any increases. And when we found out he was doing that, you know, <laughs> it was a long conversation about how not to, you know, don't be messing with that stuff. And we almost wanted to lock him out of the search console account. But, um, you know, that's a client's thing you got to get onto. And a lot of people really, don't understand what the disavow tool does and how to leverage it. This will be part of my talk tomorrow on um, uh, SEO Fight Club, so I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but go in and read this one before the show tomorrow just so you kind of have some of the Google insights on it. Um, I will say there have been people who say it doesn't do any good, and then there's other people that swear by it. Uh, I'm kind of in the mixed bag. I think there's a time and place to use this and a good way to leverage it in order to clean up some stuff right off the bat and get some good results for your clients if you're using the right tools. Yeah, I, I have uh, anecdotal experience and it working in three very specific occasions, and I'm going to share that. And all three were the same kind of occasion. So I plan on sharing that tomorrow in the show. Awesome. And we're going to ask, answer the, the big question or the statement that I get or I've seen pretty much everywhere, which is disavow tool doesn't work because I put all my links, I put all the links in disavow tool. And it wasn't until I built more links that I got rankings, my rankings improvement. Well, that's because you don't understand what the hell you just did. And we'll talk about that tomorrow uh, and how to leverage this thing in the best manner, in my opinion. Uh, and finally, sales is kind of a, is a thing, you know, all of us SEO folks have to deal with. We need numbers. Small business owners are kind of buried in numbers right now. Uh, in so much as they, they need to hear that to get the warm and fuzzy because they've been ripped off so many times by the 29 
you know, two ninety nine a month SEO companies. Um, so this post actually did a nice correlation or um, curation of SEO statistics that I think you're going to find uh, really useful and to add to your sales pitches. I copy them word for word. You know, one through sixteen is right here. Then you scroll down underneath this mobile stuff, uh, and then the rest are there. Um, and this is really, really good stuff that you can build into your proposals and et cetera. They did a great job of putting that uh, together. Um, I would go ahead and you know cite these guys if you're going to um, as part of your uh, references in your um, in your proposals, so that you just kind of help people you know gather some more thought process. The biggest thing that I found with these is they're helpful when you're trying to um, get to the stakeholders who really don't get the purposes of SEO uh, and you know why they should have that as part of their marketing campaigns. They are, most people understand that they need to rank in Google in order to get traffic. Um, but you want to use this kind of data to say, hey, why are you targeting mobile stuff? Why are you always beating on my dev because of responsiveness? Or why are you always worried about paid speed? Um, you know, why should we choose the four-letter words versus, uh, you know, the big, the broad uh, keywords like lawyer? You know what I mean? Um, so this is the kind of information I think is really cool to help you fight that stuff, especially well, right off at the beginning. What's, what's so awesome about this in particular is that right now I know that there are a bunch of SEOs in your audience who are looking at this going, this is an SEO, you know, <laughs> I hate this crap. And, you know, I look at this too. I hate this crap. I hate sales. I hate doing that work. I suck at it. And I know that most SEOs out there hate doing sales and they suck at it. What's awesome about this information is this is all the stuff you need to know, you need to learn and it's all put together. They're helping you out with the work you hate the most. Yeah. So this is exactly the article you need to jump on if you're like me and you hate sales and you suck at it, but you want to make money, you need to consume this content. Yeah, for sure. And again, like I, like I said earlier, if you have it already, it's built into your proposals. You're saving yourself a whole lot drama in the end or if you got a sales guy and you give it to him script whatever you do with it just make sure you're leveraging it in the beginning uh, and to help some understanding this number 11 here alone is probably going to save you so much um, work and you know, you're talking about I, how many of you guys know the clients come to you with some impossible terms like i don't care how much money you spend it's going to take you forever to rank for it and be competitive for it and you probably might not see but the long tail words actually you know you add those up and they do better than those and they probably convert better too yeah uh, my my nemesis from the past because uh, I was in e-commerce for a long time with a large online retailer. So I did all kinds of product and category terms. And, and I did really, really well. Uh, but I just could never break into yoga pants. I couldn't get that keyword. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's my white whale. Everybody knows it now. Yoga pants. <laughs> I don't know. I put yoga pants on. I break out. Does that count? <laughs> All right. So that's the, the last one. Uh, there's a question real quick. Can you drop the link to the article? There's a link to my website, the, the page for this episode. All the articles are listed on that page. Okay, so let's get into tools. And the reason, again, when I started us off, just to let you guys know, uh, I want to. We're going to talk about link building. Uh, it's going to be really big on SEO this week, just because that's my focus this year is link building. Uh, and we're also going to. And SEO Fight Club is going to get really big on testing different ways to to build links. We're also kind of brainstorming some ways to test the value of a link, and then maybe uh, once we hammer that out, I'll set up some. Uh, test sites, a couple test sites, uh, and we'll just wait and watch the algorithm change and see if we can find out if uh, Penguin is filtering some versions of links automatically. Um, 
And we're also looking at testing anchor text variation percentages. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. But to do that, you guys need to know how to or what to use in order to audit your links. Now, the typical person is going to tell you just go to um, Majestic, go to Ahrefs, one of those tools, and pull it down, and you can look at all your links right there and click this event. The downside of doing that is uh, you can get different link sets from both of those tools. Um, and in order to get a complete picture, you need to have as many links from multiple sources as you can uh, to combine that up. And you're still not going to get all of them. Yeah, to, to put it into context, Google is aware of over 200 trillion URLs. And Ahrefs knows of, you know, maybe tens of billions. You know, these tools each have a slice, a tiny sliver of the pie that's in the billions. But Google's view of the landscape is in the hundreds of trillions. So it's very unlikely that these tools will ever overlap a lot. Yes, that's true. And even if you're looking like the way I do it is I use Moz, bleh, I use Search Console, Majestic, Ahrefs, and I pull in uh, from all of those and then dedupe them. And you'll actually see that you're reducing your number very little when you do that dedupe. Uh, you're actually increasing. So with that being said, now you have a couple of options. You can look at them one by one on your own, or you can use some tools and knock it out for you. And I use tools. Um, couple that I use, I want to go over two first that I that I have in the arsenal uh, that I have used before and or um, I recommend you check out uh, for specific options. And then I'll go over my preferred tool, uh, which is probably not for everyone just based off of price. You might be priced out of it, but that's okay. There's an option with that one too. So uh, so you're looking at cognitive SEO. This is, I actually use this. This was the second link audit tool that I've used before, you know, for my uh, penalty recovery uh, side of my business. And what we found was the downside is if you have sites with big um, link profiles, that you have to, it, it made you increase pretty pretty quickly. So we'll look at the pricing here real quick, uh, just so you can see it. So it was one twenty nine a month. It used to be ninety seven, and then they went up to one twenty nine. Uh, but your link audits are actually limited uh, significantly, especially if you're you're dealing with larger sites. And then you get into this bespoke pricing, uh, which just means ungodly. I'll tell you that you know just to add another. 50,000, you're adding another 100 bucks. You know what I mean? So um, this is if you're, you know, if you're running one site, you don't have a whole lot of, of links and you know it, and it's not going to take you too much time. Uh, and this is probably the, the best option for you. It has some link detection stuff in there. Uh, and then you get some other tools that, that go with it. And I won't talk about those because it doesn't apply to this conversation, but uh, that you can do as well. So you're not just doing, you know, one site a link audit for 129 you can leverage some of their other stuff uh, while you pay for it this tool in uh, link research tools which i use primarily uh, are month to month and what i do uh, especially for link research tools is if i'm not using it i'll just stop paying for it uh, and then restart it when it's time to use it again downside of doing it is they clear all your reports and you got to use all your credits to start over uh, but you can download it's no big deal Excuse me. The next one is uh, SEO Spyglass. These guys actually got uh, a lot better. They have their own crawling or link sources. Uh, they claim 1.6 trillion backlinks crawled, which is uh, a significantly high number. Um, wow, that's huge. It didn't yeah. need to be that big. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, to me, what I think they're doing is they're kind of pulling in from all the other ones. Um, I, I don't see, I've never seen any evidence that they have their own bot running around um, beyond um, their their software and their your, their users, and now that's getting sent back to everyone else. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they're pulling that off. That said, this is a software. It's actually 
pretty good. I, I don't use it for cleanups. I just kind of use it for, for looking at a backlink profile based off of what it gets me. Just because it's new, the old version was completely horrible. Uh, and that was more in line with the whole um, use an Excel spreadsheet and go through one by one. Uh, the grading stuff is still left to be desired. You guys need to check that out if you're going to use this. The down, the upside is you pay for it once. Buy it at Christmas, by the way, 65% off. You get the whole suite. Um, and then you have to pay for the uh, the yearly updates where you know, they come out as you open it. They update the thing. And then uh, when you stop paying for the updates, they stop updating your software. Uh, and a couple of these software tools actually lock when you stop paying for the updates, which is ghetto, but, you know, that is what it is. That's how they make money. Uh, but this is a good one, especially if you're, again, if you have a smaller site, you don't want to pay for a monthly tool. You want to let, you're going to leverage this other stuff. Frank Tracker is the one that I leverage every day. Uh, and then, uh, so check out SEO Spyglass. Again, really don't put a whole lot of weight into what they tell you is good and a bad link. Uh, just because they're not very clear yet um, how they're judging that. And then the last tool, what the hell happened here? Page updated on me. Is Link Research Tools. Uh, this is the one that I use. The reason that I say, you know, this is not for everybody is because it costs a crazy amount of money. Um, but they do have the detox. You see that right here is link detox only where you can get the full suite. Link detox only is getting another update where you can plug into it and then uh, pay a monthly fee and it'll go out and pull in your, your backlinks on a recurring basis and you can just monitor your thing. So that's another service they're offering. Uh, which might be useful to you if you're doing if you got an agency or something you know you're you're paying a lot of money uh, to use this tool uh, and this price here is not much less than just getting the full suite so uh, if you're gonna pay uh, for link detox to get the credits etc I would just go ahead and get the whole suite just to save yourself some drama when you get in there it's gonna look a lot like this you can see this is our agency account. Uh, and now it used to be that link detox was based off of credit. So, you know, one to five credits is a, is a site run and then you get 50 credits a month or 15, I think it was. Uh, and they changed it now to 18 million backlinks crawled, uh, which is considerably better. So, you know, if the average site you're looking at has, you know, three or 4,000 backlinks, you can run almost way more, uh, links inside of your account. Uh, to me, this is hands down the best tool. Uh, Jimmy Kelly teaches it. There's a whole bunch of other people that use it. There's people that offer uh, link detox reports on Fiverr, et cetera. Uh, why they're offering them on Fiverr, I have no idea. They're worth way more than that. Uh, but you can get them, so take advantage of it if you want to. Uh, or you can reach out to me, and we'll, I'll run them for you and, and build your disavow file, which you should probably learn about tomorrow uh, before you <laughs> before you ask me. You know, uh, there's a uh, free backlink tool that's amazing that catches a ton of stuff that all the other providers don't catch. And it's really old school. What you do is you get a uh, log file analyzer and you look at the referring URLs from your Apache logs for your website from the past year. And it'll give you any of the backlinks that got at least one click or more. This one does that too. You, it plugs into your Google Analytics and your Search Console, so it combines that data. Uh, and then it plugs into like 24 other link sources. Um, my yeah, guess is I, like some, you know. Apache weblogs and Google Analytics are different. So the weblogs yeah. are actually on your server and they're authoritative. Google Analytics still suffers from sampling unless you pay them 150 grand a year. Yeah. Well, I don't want to pay them that. <laughs> but that's good. That'd be that's a, you know that's a good option. I'm not sure if you can plug in the weblogs in here. Um, or at least that data. I think that might overwhelm it a little bit. But certainly something to look at if you're into it. 
No, there's there's free open source software for doing uh, refer reports from your Apache weblogs. You shouldn't have to spend money. You just need a couple hours of a system administrator's time. Okay. So there you go, guys. Something to look into. Unless you're on shared hosting, then you're kind of screwed. Uh, and let's see. The other tools that I like in here are the uh, link alerts. I put my competition in here. Uh, and then whenever they get any backlinks, it'll ping off. And then kind of the same thing with these competitor analysis tools. Uh, what are good about these is you get a lot of credits and then you can scare the hell out of your clients and be like, look how, you know, what, you know, especially you get those guys that talk about white hat and you only build white hat links. Uh, you can send these competitor analysis reports and be like, so this link here would be considered black hat. So this link here would be considered black hat. And typically out of those, you're going to get about 95% of those and, and then show your clients. This is, you know, why your white hat only argument uh, for link building and your definition of white hat needs, needs to change and be adjusted. Uh, and, you know, trust me, we're going to get some rankings and we're going to do it the right way and protect your site. Plus, you get this other link processing stuff. This is helpful if you're into outreach, et cetera. Uh, and then the browser extensions that everyone knows, likes, and trusts. If you don't know this one, this is probably the best one uh, to get. Again, they're free, so link redirect trace uh, is good. This one is kind of, you know, and this one is they're just trying to be uh, power trust is, is their PR or, you know, domain authority, whatever you want to use. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, and then this is like a uh, curation tool uh, that's, you know, it kind of tells you essentially the social value of the page uh, as you're going through. Um, so it's, you know, this is all right. I use it for a while and then I took it off. But again, this one is really where you get the value, uh, in my opinion, on those tools. And then you go through and you run this link detox and in case you guys haven't ever seen this before some keyword stuff just you know just kind of see the documentation uh, but basically you're going to get a report like this and it's going to have uh, a whole bunch of colors etc based off of how bad or good they are uh, and then it's going to tell you the uh, the primary source of uh, the rule the primary rule that's triggering is causing that. I would probably would have chose a different image here because it doesn't really uh, show that too much. And you'll get your score, uh, et cetera, and you can download all that stuff in Excel if you want to or go through the software one by one and go through your backlinks. Uh, this is a good example of that. You pick the link. It'll tell you the rules right here. Hopefully you can see them. Let me zoom in. Uh, you can pick the rules that you go through and go one by one. Regardless of the tool you use, you're going to have to go one by one through some of these. Uh, but this kind of helps me out. And I'm going to show you just kind of quickly uh, some of the ones that I get rid of automatically. So Tox 1 and Tox 2 automatically, I disavow those uh, just because they're the easiest ones to do. Uh, SIA testing has shown us that sites that are de-indexed actually still send uh, ranking power. But if it's de-indexed and I have a manual penalty, then why not throw that in disavow? Uh, essentially, what disavow is doing is, is setting it to no follow. Um, so, you know, it's not hurting me in any way. Um, this will lower your rankings, though. Uh, so you have to be uh, a little bit more careful when choosing those. But for the most part, regardless of what I'm doing, all the tox ones are added to my disavow file. Tox2s are all added to my disk file file. I don't even mess with them uh, for obvious reasons. Malware, malicious, or virus. You don't want those linking to your site in any way whatsoever. Uh, typically, if they're popped in there anyway, it's when they're hacked and probably abandoned. Um, so, you know, why mess with it? So I automatically disk file all of those. Tox3, this is where people get into uh, trouble. Uh, they'll have some that tools will say that are toxic three and they'll just disavow all those all on their own. These are the ones I particularly look at uh, one by one to make sure I'm not cleaning out a, uh, a good link. Um, so this is based off of other users and the tool and is saying that it's unnatural uh, and it marks it as a tox three. So you got to be really careful with that. And then I can't tell you the numbers here because it's part of someone else's paid training. 
but I've also verified and tested myself. Some of these, you can look at them uh, and figure it out on your own, actually relate to Panda. So Penguin Links, Panda content. Panda passes through your links, which is weird. Did not, but it works out. Uh, but there's a set of these suspicious ones. Uh, again, you can read through these and you'll be able to figure it out that tell you uh, which links are passing a panda penalty through. Uh, and you can disavow those and actually see a ranking improvement as well. Uh, I have the set, but again, he's still part of his paid course, so I can't give you the whole thing. But it's really easy to just go through this page uh, and you'll figure out the ones that are content related and be able to filter those out all by your loads. Um, so that's really link research tools at its core. Uh, again, was when we talk to more about some links, uh, link building uh, in future episodes here at SEO this week, and we go over a little bit more detail than link types tomorrow uh, at SEO. Um, Fight Club. Uh, I think this will be a useful tool for you to have in your arsenal uh, or for your agency or, you know, finding someone that's using that so you can kind of pull out and know where that data is coming from, especially when you're creating stuff. Yeah. Or if you just need it, you know, as needed, you know, you might not need it year round, but that one time you get a manual pen penalty for, you know, suspicious linking, uh, get it for a month. Yeah. Yeah, that's how when I when I first started, that's what I was doing. I was, you know, obviously now we're paying for it almost continuously, <coughs> but we have the sites that to do that, and, and I'm using some of the other alert features that make sense for that. But you know, just go in there, make your list, the site you want to, you know, one the site you're gonna do the link detox for. Uh, do find all your competitors you want to pull all those backlinks for. Um, and you know maybe you want to do some of the the link uh, outreach stuff and use those tools now that you know what the tool does make all your lists buy it for a month go in there and run all your reports uh, and then cancel um, and that's how i was doing it before and it just it's smarter to do it that way everyone you know once a quarter go in there and maybe do it again or every six months if you want to i was doing it every six months all right, so let me get into questions. Uh, Ted, do you have any other insights about this? Why read through here? No, no, I think this uh, episode has some amazing content. I want to go back and read that sales one. That's a pain point for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm sales. I suck at sales. So um, how I've closed the clients that I have and be amazed. So. <laughs> uh, let's see. Got some compliments on the LSI episode. That was great. Even I learned some stuff. So uh, if you haven't seen that, go check it out over at STL Fight Club. Episode, what was it, four or five? Yeah, episode four. Five is tomorrow. Okay. Uh, let's see. Question from Lewis. I have a site that is six months old. The site lands in position 60 for its keywords, then drops out of the index completely for a couple days, then come back. This loops for months. Why? One thing to look is uh, at your meta description. Does it match the summary text in the search result? And if not, then Google is picking the uh, snippet that's appearing. So you may need to tune your meta description and regain control of that. I have seen it when Google picks the snippet, they'll A-B test between different snippets on the page. And you'll see your website, you know, if you're ranking near the top, you'll go, up three places, down three places, up three places, seems to change almost daily. Uh, and that changes with that snippet. But if you're further down, if you're in position 40, it can manifest as in the search results, out of the search results, in the search results. And so when you said that, I was like, oh, geez, he's not in control of his meta description. Tune it for relevance. Yeah. That, and maybe some links. Um, I would try Ted's thing first uh, to make sure it gets pinned in there. I've seen that too. It's frustrating as hell, uh, but you gotta you gotta just keep keep on with the stay the course. So do the meta descriptions like Ted said, and I think you might uh, see something good. Uh, Yokushin SEO page has a bunch of ranking keywords stuck on four to five pages. What if I create dedicated pages for each keyword and interlink from main page to the dedicated one? 
I think he's talking about silos there, and you should be optimizing one page for each keyword anyway. Um, the the idea of ranking for multiple pages or multiple pages for multiple keywords is great, and it sounds wonderful because we all hate doing work. As one of the downsides of SEOs is we're you know one we want to automate everything, and two we want to do as minimal work possible to get the amount of rankings. Uh, but at some point in time, you're just going to hurt yourself. If you're trying to create one page that ranks for a whole bunch of things, and, and I don't know if you ever heard the saying, it's good, better to be great at one thing than to be good at a lot of things because then you're probably useless for those a lot of things. Uh, and, and in my opinion, uh, SEO kind of works that way. If you're good, if you're about a whole bunch of things you're not about one specific thing and google is better at answering questions about one specific thing uh, so when you're saying if you want to create dedicated pages for each keyword then yes you should already do that and then you should not link from the main page the one that you're trying to rank uh, in particular in this case i'm assuming you're talking about silos you should not link to those those other other subterms because those are your supporting content and then two if you're building links to those those are going to rank and then inherently bring up the ranking of the main page uh, that is probably that should be if you have it set up right a harder term anyway um, so yeah I would go in with that I would I would assuming that's what you're talking about uh, that's where I would go uh let's see next one was link wills that was a statement uh i don't want to call the um just so that people know what the hell i'm talking about don't think of this inside of your site as a link wheel uh, it, it, it can be but really what you're setting up is a silo uh doing links this way does work uh, link wheels, link pyramids are still working. A lot of people have given up on them because they're a little bit harder to build uh, today. And Google is able to get back into tier two and three. But you can still do them and still do them pretty good, I think. So um, let's not confuse the topic cluster silo with a link wheel because they're both two different things. Uh, next question, website that has high DR and a low AR. What's good practice in this situation? So Ahrefs has domain rank and a URL rank. So I don't know what where you got AR from. Uh, typically, uh, because that metric was really good. I actually liked using it um, for link filtering uh, and assessment of sites until they changed the, the rules of how it's made. Uh, wiped out like all but a million websites and then changed it back when everyone complained because essentially they made their um, their metric useless. So we lost all the pattern. Like it used to be anything with DR40 and higher, that's a really good link. That's kind of where we want to go after or that's a good domain you want to buy. Um, but now since we don't really know the value anymore because they changed that metric around, uh, when they did, I don't even follow it. Uh, it's it's another vanity metric, uh, in my opinion. Uh, all of them are, um, but you know I can't even use that to filter anymore. I had to go back to Majestic to until we figure out what is the best uh, DR uh, and UR when we're doing our our link assessments. Ted, you you mess around with uh, Ahrefs in that manner. Well, uh, we see it in the Cora data a lot. So I look at these uh, primary indexing scores that these different services have in, in the data. And what they tend to tell me is that in general, uh, these scores tend to correlate with rankings in Google, which implies that these services have a critical mass of data in order to understand uh, what performs in Google search results. And this tends to be true for uh, keywords and websites that are targeting, you know, specific volumes and specific parts of the search results. 
you can get sufficiently long tail where all of these websites have no data and you lose any insights. So it tends to be the more medium and high competition terms, you get reliable answers. And the more long tail you get, the more sketchy the data gets. Yeah. Hopefully that answered that question. Nadabada, Nadan Bada. Uh, his question or her question is, is there any penalty from hosting three to four accounts on the same shared hosting? Is interlinking between them and their own? I think three to four is okay. So, you know, there's a lot of publishers that have multiple websites and they interlink those sites. Uh, that's personally, uh, you know, it's natural. Unnatural would be, um, you know, 10, 15, 20. Uh, then you're getting a little crazy. Uh, well the interlinkings. But, you know, if, if it's three or four websites, they're all owned by the same business. The same business is naturally going to put uh, those on their same hosting and interlinking them. Uh, I don't see a problem with it, Ted. If, if you look at, like, Wix and GoDaddy and Squarespace and, you know, all, all of those uh, hosting companies, uh, you often find that they will put thousands of websites on a single server, single IP address. And in some cases, it even goes up to millions because um, they're using those blade servers where it's one box and one IP, but they just put in more cards that can handle more capacity. And, and so you end up getting millions of websites on a single server in some cases. So, I mean, Google can't punish it. I mean, that's millions of legitimate websites for the most part, and you just happen to be caught in it. So I, I think Google is probably going to judge your website on its own merits and not the IP address's merits. Yeah. Uh, another question, can we use nofollow instead of disavow? Nope. Uh, nofollow is a naturally occurring link. They happen all the time, and you're kind of expected to have them. Uh, if you and if you know how to look for it, you'll also know that nofollow passes juice. I've ranked pages with just nofollowings, uh, so Google is counting those uh, as votes in your backlink profile. Um, so when I say disavow is essentially a nofollow, I think it's handled a different way than the nofollow tag is. Uh, let's see. Everybody hates sales, but it's part of the business. Yep. Can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, Ken, I run Link Assistant tool on my home server. It's really good for checks, but I urge people to cross-reference the other tools. Yep, exactly. Uh, what are your thoughts on TF-IDF, and do you think that it's relevant? Ken, that's a question uh, and a really good one that was answered on SEO Fight Club in the last episode. Pick that up. Go, go check that out. Uh, you'll see that. Um, I gave you know my point of view, but when you're listening to those two guys, uh, Kyle and Ted beat it around and nerd speak. It gives you a little bit more, a different perspective than I can probably give you. Uh, Jonathan Beal, have you guys ever hosted PBNs? Is Easy Blog Networks fine? Easy Blog Networks was okay. Basically, all it's doing really is it's an interface and it hooks to other uh, uh, servers uh, and then. You just kind of interlinked them. You know, it was all right. I just, you know, I wasn't a fan of it. I thought uh, clunky. Uh, I hated, honestly, I really just hated it. Uh, PBN.hosting uh, is what you guys should try. Uh, as a buddy of mine, in my uh, mastermind, he owns runs that. And essentially what it's doing is it's using cloud servers uh, like Amazon and Google Cloud, et cetera. And now you can deploy WordPress on it, too. It used to be just HTML only. Now you can do WordPress, and there's a whole bunch of other cool tools built into that thing, too. So uh, pbn.hosting, that's the one that I recommend. Uh, let's see. DR and UR, thanks your answer. It's asking how to boost load UR since the site has a DR. Well, if a page... If the site has a high DR, that means overall, more than likely, all the links are going to the homepage. Uh, and if a page has a low DR or a low UR, that means it doesn't have a lot of links. So you need to go out and build more links but to, to raise the UR. Uh, and then to, in order to do that, if you're specifically going to uh, 
if your only goal is to raise the UR because you want to follow this vanity metric and you don't want to rank it, then what I would do is look at the UR from the other pages that you want to get backlinks from uh, and select as many as you can with a higher UR and that averages out and that turns into the UR of your thing. Um, a good example of how that works is Moz, their DAPA. You can sculpt that with trackbacks, trackbacks and pingbacks. Uh, you use a tool, send some trackbacks and pingbacks, and all of a sudden you have you know a DA49, PA38 uh, uh, web page. It's not ranking, but you have some great you know, numbers to show. So, um, but that's really how you do it. All right, that's the end of that. Hopefully we don't have any more questions. This was an hour. I appreciate you all coming. Ted, thank you very much for joining yeah. the episode. Thank you for having me. Uh, again, SEO Fight Club tomorrow. Uh, Ted, Kyle, and I will be talking about link building. I'll be leading the discussion kind of just going over the broad stuff. Uh, we'll talk some more about uh, disavow. We'll talk about penalty recovery and maybe in a little bit on reconsideration request. So we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. 11 a.m. Pacific time. Sweet. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.